This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again... True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, a 172 pilot learns that not everyone loves airplanes as much as pilots do. Find out what happens in The Problem with Moonshine by Mac McKinney. The rugged mountains of East Tennessee are gorgeous, but also isolated and remote in places. As a student pilot on cross-country flights, I often marveled at the beauty of those hills, especially the wispy fog rising from the valleys on cool days. On an October morning at our flying club near Knoxville, I did my standard overly thorough pre-flight inspection on an aging Cessna 172 and launched out to the foothills of the Smoky Mountains on a practice cross-country flight. I spent an uneventful hour tracking VORs and calculating fuel consumption and ground speeds. The wind was calm, the air was cool, the engine was humming along, and I had a wonderful flight. I landed back at the home drome. I wondered if I should top off the old girl's fuel tanks before tying her down. But the next renter, a friend of mine, walked out to meet me and motioned me toward the tie-down spot. As I shut down the engine, he walked up and opened my door with a cheery, I'll fill her up, how's she flying this morning? We talk like that in the South. This is a customary pilot-to-pilot exchange, and the responder is expected to mention any maintenance discrepancies noted during the flight. You'll make extra points with the other pilot if you add a summary of the weather where you flew. And you'll max out the event if you add details of any good on-airport cafes you have found recently. Before I could answer, something caught his eye on the underside of the wing beside his head. Without a word, he reached up and buried his entire little finger in a hole in the aluminum skin. Was that there before you left? he asked. I replied that it most certainly was not. We reached the same conclusion simultaneously and even said it at the same time. Bullet hole! Somebody had shot me! I had a fleeting image of a steely-eyed fighter pilot, me, 
Hearing the airplane take around in the wing, seeing where the shot originated on the ground, and then rolling into a steep dive, and in this case, opening the window of the 172 and whipping out a 1911 45 caliber pistol and returning fire. And I might have done that. No, I wouldn't have. Okay, I might have. But I had no idea when the shot had occurred. On the top skin of the wing, directly above this hole, there was a bump raised where the bullet lacked enough force to penetrate the second sheet of aluminum. We tried to locate and retrieve the bullet from within the wing. What a great trophy. We extended the flaps and looked through holes stamped in the wing ribs, but we could not locate that lump of lead. Not sure if anyone should fly an airplane with a bullet rolling around in the wing, My friend and I walked inside the clubhouse to ask the three more senior pilots what they thought. One grizzled old gent walked with us back out to the airplane, examined the wing, and with a couple of hmms like a physician looking at a strange mole on your neck, said the bullet had probably rolled out of the wing. Then fixing me with a squinty eye, probably the result of thousands of hours flying into the sun, he asked which of us had been flying. I told him I had, and he asked where I had been flying. Before I could answer, he said, let me guess. East of Knoxville, over the mountains, and above 3,000 feet AGL, but below 5,000 feet. Astonished, I asked how he could possibly have known that. He answered my question with another question. Did you see little wisps of smoke down in the valleys of those mountains? I said I had seen those quite often. Those weren't barbecue grills, son. They were moonshine stills, he said. Those moonshiners saw your airplane, figured you were a federal revenue agent, and took a shot at you. I knew you were between 3,000 and 5,000 feet, because if you were lower than 3,000 feet, the bullet would have clipped through the entire wing. And if you'd been above 5,000 feet, nobody with a pistol would have tried to hit you. And it was a pistol, a forty-five or a three-fifty-seven, from the looks of the hole. And the bullet was tumbling when it hit you. See here? Pointing at the hole. It isn't a round hole. It's more like an oval. And it missed your fuel tank on this wing by less than a foot. I had been just mildly intrigued up to the last part about a speeding bullet barely missing the fuel tank. Now the mental image of a flaming Cessna ripping into the trees in the middle of nowhere with me in it, really got my attention. When I pondered that, the older pilot said, Boys, always cross those mountains above 5,000 feet AGL. Not everybody around here likes airplanes as much as we do. My friend and I talked about this incident with lots of other pilots over the next few years. The best idea on how to avoid future ventilations of Cessnas came from my wife, Cindy, who suggest we put big black gorilla tape letters on the bottom of the fuselage, about two feet across, so people could read them clearly from the ground. They should spell, not a fed. Lessons learned. 1. Before you fly from a new airport, tell the local guys where you plan to go and get the local scoop on the locations of hazards, such as busy airspaces and routes, towers, tricky winds, and high-speed lead. 2. Do thorough pre- and post-flight walk-arounds and look for anything unusual, such as oil seeping from joints and engine cowlings. Something has let go. Brake fluid on a tire. 
bad O-rings on the Pistons. Fresh bird remains, a bird strike, and one more item that I have added to my own personal checklist. Newly arrived large caliber bullet holes. Probably because some very tasty 100-proof shine is being distilled down there. Don't take it personal. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out FlyQ, AOPA's integrated flight planning software, as well as the many free online training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.